Hello, I'm Lisa Morton, the founder of Roland Dransfield PR, and this is our We Built This City podcast. You're going to hear conversations with the Mancunians born, bred and adopted who put the heart into Manchester since 1996 when we went about rebuilding the city after the IRA bomb. And now we are here, launching this podcast in one of the most unprecedented events in our history. The spread of coronavirus has stopped us all in our tracks. We did wonder if we should release these episodes, but when we thought about it, we believe we should, because the love and the family and the community that come out of these conversations will hopefully provide some strength and conviction that we did build this city and we will do it again. We love Manchester, and we know that it's built on the people that work together, day in and day out, like this Mancunian, Jed King of Schoolfades Foundation, who's my first guest. The world's changing. It's always been about what you can get, but life is about what you can give. Jed is a barber with a mission to end homelessness, one haircut at a time. He and his Schoolfades tribe are often seen on the streets of Manchester, providing haircuts, warm clothing and a much-needed chat. And he recently opened the world's first ever community barbershop in Manchester, employing and training people who have found themselves homeless. I now know it's much more than just a haircut. Jed and I talk for hours on the phone early in the morning at night, making dinner while you're walking your dog, so it feels <laughs> a bit different today while we're sitting together here in the studio. Um, so just to start off, I wanted to ask you, how does cutting hair help homelessness? Well, the haircut is is irrelevant, really. I mean, it's just a, a tool um, to, to, to get an in with that person. Um, I always say, you know, if you walk over to a guy um, who's on heroin, for example, and he's sat in a doorway and he's down and he's depressed and he's thinking about all the things that have gone wrong in his life, and you ask him to get onto a drug programme, come and take advantage of what we've got to offer, he'll say no every time. You know, he won't want to know at all. He's totally disengaged. So this process that we've come up with um, literally changes somebody's physiology, changes their state, and state is everything. People in a bad state make bad decisions. People in a good state make better decisions, more in line with who they really are. So during the haircut, we do different things to change the physiology. We pull the shoulders back, we lift the chin up. As we comb the hair, as the hair's removed, as we clean off the dirt, and as our incredibly positive team affects each person in the chair, they literally change state. They remember who they are, and we can start to ask questions and, and, and prime them, really, um, for a positive outcome. We can ask them what we're going to do with this situation. We don't connect through sympathy. We don't give them sympathy, because if we go to that dark place with them, it's detrimental to them. You know, we, the, the, the brain will always give you an answer. Wherever you ask the brain, it'll give you an answer. And sometimes it's not true. If you ask, why me? Why has this happened to me? The brain might say, because you're no good, because life's paying you back for the mistakes you've made. You know, and these things might not be true, but that's what happens. So when we ask different questions, okay, this has happened, but what are we going to do with it? What can we do with it? What's in your control? Your brain will start to tell you a more positive answer. Um, so it's, it's a whole system now. The haircut's just a small part of it. It's just a tool to change that physiology, to make that person feel better, make them feel a bit more human. Um, but the, the, the beauty of the work is it's changing the state. For me, that's what it's all about, changing the state. And you've been very open about some of your struggles in the past. Obviously, I know you're in the forces before you came to be a barber. Can you tell me a bit about that part of your life and why you made the transition? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's funny she asked that question because I went to a, a wedding in Dorset 
and I did my tank training in Dorset. So while I was there, I revisited the old camp, and it was crazy. It was cr I stood there for a couple of hours, watching the recruits come in and out, these young guys. I was 17 last time I was there, and it was so surreal. It was so, so surreal. I was, I was literally in survival mode then. Now I, I class myself as a very conscious person and very aware. Um, I, I believe I've got a high level of awareness. But back then, I was just surviving, literally just surviving. And that's why I joined the army, to get out of where I came from. You know, and that was, that was the beginning of me becoming a successful person. You know, the, the army's, the, the, the army's um, it's a complex thing. You know, so much, of, so, so much of my brain doesn't agree with training these young lads to do the job they've got to do. But then the other half says, where would I be without the army? You know, I don't know where we'd be without the army because the army started to build the man I am now. You know, I, I, was, I had no self-worth, I had no confidence. I, I, was, um, I was living in a bad state, I was living in survival mode. And the army taught me so many things. It taught me to give me a uniform and I was this proud soldier and I was taught to march, I was taught to drive tanks and gun tanks. And then I found myself parachuting in Germany and ice climbing in Canada. And those experiences built self-worth and I, I realised, well, I can actually be someone. I can actually do something with this life I've been given. And do you think that's helped you to encourage some of the young people that you've met while you've been stalking them on the streets? Absolutely. Absolutely, because um, I've been rock bottom in my life. I, I, I've been lower than you can possibly go. Uh, and now I'm, I'm a success, you know, to an extent. I mean, it's, I'm a success. I've got a lot left to achieve. But in my own right, I'm successful when I compare myself to what I was and what I used to be. So I think that's valuable experience. You know, it's, you can't beat life experience. And when you've gone from having nowhere to live to being a business owner, you can show others how to do it. And I believe you've actually got a responsibility to show others, you know, otherwise what's the point? What's the point in all that pain? What's the point in, in all those lessons? You know, it's for a reason. And the reason is you show others and you lift others up. Absolutely. You said that you don't see a drug addict or an alcoholic. You see somebody who's having a hard time. So what do you feel that you can kind of bring to those people? Do you, is, is it, you said it's not sympathy, but it's, it is empathy, isn't it? You understand the pain that they're going through at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I actually feel it, mm. you know, because I've been there. You know, I, I went through a period in my life where I hit the bottle mm. and, and I would drink on my own. And I'll be so sad about all the experiences that I've had. So I've been there. And when I see somebody going through that, I recognise it. You know, I, and I feel what, what they're going through. And you just need people. You know, when I look back, I've got key people who lifted me out of it and, and key people that I wanted to be like, you know, and that, that inspired me and helped me get, get through it. So I've got those tools. And when you can say to somebody, I've been there, I understand how this feels, and share that with them. This is what I did to get out of it. You know, what, what can you do? Maybe you could try this, or maybe you could try this. Um, it's very powerful for somebody to see somebody that's done what they need to do. And you said that when you set up School Fades, which was a, an, a, major, a major achievement for you, um, you didn't think when you were younger that you'd ever have your own business. But even that huge achievement, you felt that you, you there was something lacking that you, that you expected to be a big party at the end of it. I think yep. you've said, and that made me laugh because I think it was not that wasn't an end result for you, was it? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that clearly. You know, I, I wanted a business since I was eleven years old. I got my first job at eleven, and and the owner of that business um, was my first positive male role model. 
you know, he had a car and he had a house and he conducted himself well. He communicated with me in a way that I wasn't used to. You know, I, I thought, this guy's amazing. You know, I wanted to model him and behave like him and be more like him. But for me to get to where he was from where I was, it was such a long, it was such a long way to go. It was such a long journey. But fast forward, you know, to, to, to when I opened School Fades, I'd got it. I'd, I had what he had. You know, <laughs> I had a nice place to live. I had, you know, a nice, a nice car and, and, and this business. And it was, it was the most disappointing experience. <laughs> it was so disappointing because I had so much to be grateful for. And I couldn't understand it. I, could, I couldn't understand why I wasn't happy and why I wasn't fulfilled. It didn't make any sense to me and it drove me crazy. You know, I had to search for myself, well, what is it all about? You know, I worked for so long to get here and now I'm here. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like I wanted it, I, I expected it to. So that's when I really started to look in and, and, and you know, go deep. I'm not a surface level person, you know, I can't stand the surface level, small talk, chit chat, you know, I, I like to go deep. And yeah. I think that's why most people are unfulfilled today because they're scared of going deep. They present all this surface level crap because they're, they're scared of the, the deep stuff. Mm -hmm. That really scares them. Um, so I really went deep. You know, I took myself off to the Lake District and, and, and I meditated and, and I thought and, and I just thought and thought and thought, you know, what is this all about? And, and you know, pulled myself apart in many ways. Um, went to the places that people are scared to go to. And, and what I, got, I had several moments of clarity uh, during that trip. And one of them was it, it was, it was deeply upsetting for me to walk around our city. Yeah, that was it was when it was just getting so bad in Manchester, and it was it was just getting to the point. It was 2000, 2014, so it was it was just getting to the point where people couldn't people couldn't um, ignore it anymore. It was so clear, you know, there's somebody on every corner. So I decided I was going to do something about that, and all I, all I knew how to do then was cut hair. We didn't go straight onto the streets. So I, I offered our services in the shop for free. If you're homeless and you come into the shop, you can offer you can, you can access our services for free. You can have free products, and and you know hopefully that we can we can chat and 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 direct you. You know that was the basic plan. Also, if you're unemployed and you've got a job interview, you're trying to help yourself. You can do the same and access our services for free. Have free products and good luck with your job. Yeah. And I'm proud to say we've got loyal clients now who took advantage of that offer and now they're in work and they keep coming back to us. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so the first guy that came in, he'd lived in a tent for two years. And he was a very smart shop, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've been living on the streets for a long time, you know, two years in a tent, you're not used to being in that environment. And he was really unsure when he was walking through the door, you know, really tentative as he was walking in. So we reassured him. He said, I've been told about this offer. Is it okay? Yeah, of course, come in, come in, get the kettle on, boys. You know, make him a coffee. And we sat him down and gowned him up and, and he loved it. And this smile on his face and he just thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, he'd, he'd been sleeping rough in a tent for two years. No positive human interaction or contact. And, and, he, and he, he just, he loved it. At the end of that haircut, he was so grateful. He was almost in tears. And I gave him a big hug. And, you know, it brightened his day up. But actually, I got m much more out of that. You know, this void that I felt started to fill. And, I, I, and then it was another moment of clarity. You know, I've got to contribute. That's what, that's, that's, it was like a, the, the penny had dropped. You know, I'd been through all this stuff because I've got to contribute. 
You know, it's the only thing that makes sense to me when I look back on my life. The only reason I had to go through all that is so I can contribute to others. And, and that was the start. You and know? That, that was the reason, that became the reason for you getting out of bed in the morning, not to have your own business. Absolutely. Mm. But the business Absolutely. is actually a platform to be able to make a difference. Yeah. The bit, I mean, it's funny. People, when we started this whole thing, when we started going out on the streets, we, had a, we, had a, we made a video um, to spread awareness and, and encourage others to help. And that video went viral. It got 10 million views, that first one. And we got so much negativity. You know, oh, you're using the homeless community to, to promote your business and all this kind of stuff. But actually what it is with those people, they see somebody contributing and they've got that void in them and it makes them feel uncomfortable. It gives them negative emotions, so they have to attack it. Um, but now it's, it's really taken over everything. I don't cut in the business anymore. Um, I'm, I'm, my life is the foundation. That's it. There's nothing else for me. Business isn't something I've got any drive for. You know, I want to drive the foundation and help and contribute to as many people as possible. That's it for me now. That's absolutely it. So for all those people who said <laughs> that's what we're doing, you know, they're actually going to see in the next year or so, I'm going to give the business to the foundation and it'll be another shop that can train more people that are coming off the street and coming out of the care system. So well, that's a longer term plan and my accountant's dealing with that, but, uh, but we're going to merge them. So then there only will be the foundation, the business won't exist. But the business skills that you've learned setting that up in the first place um, are really important for you to teach the, the young people that are coming through the system, aren't they? Because ultimately yeah. they're going to be self-employed potentially. Yep. So it's not just about the technical ability to cut hair. It's also how they can look after their own finances, which is something that you've learned yourself. Yeah, well, uh, uh, there's so much to the training. Um, again, just like the haircut's just one little piece of the machine, teaching them to be barbers is one little piece of the machine. You know, it's not enough to, to give somebody accommodation and give them a job. It's not enough. That's why there's a revolving door system. They take, they take people, they put them into accommodation and, and give them a job on a building site or whatever and, and end up back on the street. And it's clear to me why, you know, the support needs to be there. So we have tailor-made a personal development and mindfulness course and I'm teaching our guys all the stuff that I've learned over the years. I've done it the hard way because I've done it, I've done it myself and I've been to seminar after seminar and I've read book after book, all personal development and, I, and I've de developed those skills the hard way. But it doesn't have to be that way for the guys that are in the shop because I've done the hard work now and I can pass that on. They don't have to read all these books that I've read. They don't have to go to these seminars that cost a lot of money to attend. I can give them that, give them that knowledge, which is great. And that kind of knowledge is, is key to the guy's success. You create new neurological pathways in the brain. You create self-belief. And when people have got those skills, it's amazing what they can do. Aaron's a, Aaron's a perfect example. I'm so, so proud of Aaron. We met Aaron through cutting his hair for free. You know, he was homeless four months, 22-year-old lad. And, and when people become homeless, you're up against the clock before they start using hard drugs. So when they're newly homeless, it's the best time for us to get them. We got Aaron, I believe, just in time. You know, four months is a long time, and he did very well to stay off, you know, hard drugs during that time. And he is the first guy now that, that's completed you know, the training, and now he's a self-employed barber. He spoke on stage in London at a huge property conference, the Future of Real Estate, the EG Summit, and um, I, I can't explain how I felt seeing him up there. He, he was cutting the editor-in-chief's magazine, uh, the editor-in-chief editor of, of EG Magazine's hair on stage and being interviewed about his story. And, and I, that's, that's what gets me up. That's what gets me up in the morning because I was just so filled with 
pride and love and joy, you know, watching this kid. I remember when he was when he was homeless yeah. and we're cutting his hair for free and he was so low and everything was down, all his physiology was down. But on this stage, he was he did so well. And 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 now he's got a life. Aaron strikes me as a real um, future leader of yours. It's somebody that you kind of you kind of pass the baton on to, and Absolutely. he can, he'll have his own um, sphere of influence. Yeah, that he can take school fades to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he um, he said on stage actually. You know, he wants to be one of the best barbers in the country, um, which gives you an idea of his of his drive and his ambition. Um, but he said his words. More importantly, I want to I want to teach more people who are in my position. We built this city a podcast about the Mancunians born, bred and adopted that put the heart into modern Manchester. I've been out on a street cut with you a couple of times and I have to say it's been uh, without doubt one of the most humbling experiences of, uh, of my life. Um, and you said that we've talked about it being more than a haircut, but it's about the trust because it's people like Aaron yourself have been there themselves that the the people that you're talking to they really trust you and I, I see that trust they were happy to sit down it's a very intimate moment isn't it when somebody's sitting down having the hair cut and it's about the feeling special and cared for and listened to yeah at that moment yeah does it, I mean it's it's people tell the barbers and the hairdressers everything you know touch creates trust and we're touching the head um but I always say that I always joke that you know we've got sharp objects around the head as well <laughs> We've got yeah. so many scissors around their ears, and you've got to trust us. <laughs> Somebody who's moving the scissors that quick around your head, you, you've got to just surrender to it, you know, and that's it. And I think that's actually part of it. Um, so, but it is, you know, it creates a bond. It's there, it's there 30, 40 minutes uh, in the chair with someone who's, who's willing to treat them like a human being and willing to listen, and, and, and somebody who understands. Yeah. You've also educated me massively the last couple of years and I, and I feel that also having been involved um, with Vincent Company's testimonial tackle for Manchester and, and um, Andy Burnham's bed every night the feels that the city has become much more conscious and aware of the issue of homelessness but less prejudiced about it as you said before it's somebody having a hard time mm-hmm. we've perhaps now as a city understand more that, you know, for the grace of God, that could be one of our mum or dad or our yep. brother. So do you think that's changed? Have you seen that change since you've been uh, doing your work? Yeah, I've definitely seen it change. I mean, we had uh, BBC Three featured us in the Amazing Human series and that, that was viewed 26 million times. So, and that video sends the same message that we send when we're out on the streets. When we're on any part, of the, you know, any area of the city and we're cutting somebody's hair, and all these teams around them, and everyone's laughing and smiling, and the person in the chair is laughing and smiling. That sends such a strong message to the people walking past. You know, I observe the people walking past, and they, they smile and they stop and they watch and smile. And I believe that the message that sends is: look, these are part of our community too. These people are part of our community. You know, it's, it's, it's getting your arms back around them and involving them. You know, when they're sat on the floor, people are walking past and ignoring. But we're lifting them up and putting them in this chair. And that says to everybody else, these guys are part of our community too. And just recently you launched um, a short documentary called Exiled, which is by Coaction Collective. We helped launch that. It's it's incredible, um, very moving documentary of six months, really, of the School Fades um, vision and work. That's obviously now available on YouTube. Have you had some response to that already? Because that's such a powerful message yeah the best the best response i've had to that 
is um, a friend of mine actually became homeless recently, um, somebody I served with in the army. And um, that for me is difficult because it, it's very personal. You know, I love this guy like my brother and, and he's, he's had some awful things happen and he's ended up on the streets of London. So we've been helping him and coaching him. I've offered him the training, offered him all sorts. But he watched the documentary and he said, I've been coaching him daily, every day. I've been on the phone speaking to him, you know, telling him what to do and, you know, we're guiding him where he should go and trying to change his mindset. And he watched the documentary and, it, and he left me a voice note, which was like four minutes long. And he said, I can now see everything you've been telling me is true. I can see that you've done it to yourself. I've been teaching him about self-love, loving himself first, making himself strong first, so then he can be strong for everybody else. Um, and he, he got it after watching the documentary. So that for me, if that's, if that's solidifying my coaching, then it's, it's valuable. It's something that we can, we can show to, to lads we're helping in the future. You've had a lot of support from our Greater Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham, who has been a consistent supporter of the work that you've been doing and to end homelessness in Manchester at the bed every night. And he's a very busy man. I know you spent a lot of time. He speaks to you while you're making dinner and stuff and yeah. early in the morning too. Um, how do you feel that his support and backing of the work that you've done has made a difference to helping to end homelessness in the city? Well, I think, you know, firstly, the work Andy, Andy Burnham's done is, is amazing. You know, there's, there's 400 people in a bed every night now. That, that would be on the street. And I think everybody needs Andy Burnham. Um, but in relation to school fades, you know, he's an incredibly, incredibly busy man. Uh, and he takes the time to um, support us. You know, he's opened two shops now for us. He's he introduced our, our premier. Um, he's been out on the streets with us. Uh, a couple of times, been out on street cuts, and, and he spoke at a boxing event where I raised the money for the shops. You know, I boxed to raise the money for the shop, and and he spoke in the ring before that. And I, I think, you know, the charity world can be complicated, and there's a lot of competition. People compete, and there's a lot of jealousy. And and for me, I just think, you know, the, the charity exi charities exist to serve the people. You know, they exist to help help your client group. Mine exists to help people coming off the street and to prevent homelessness. That's what, that's what my charity does. And if your charity does the same, let's work together and solve it. Um, but there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, people that think, there's a lot of dinosaurs in the system, people that people think the charity exists to serve them and provide them with a living. You know, I don't see it like that. So I think for those people, Andy's given us credibility, you know, because I was, I was literally laughed at in the beginning. I was laughed at, and the people, and some of the people that that were laughing at me then, now they want to work with us. So that's how you do it, you know. <laughs> that's how you do it. With consistency in time, but but yeah, I mean, for those people, I think Andy's done um, an amazing job of giving us credibility because he stood beside us and said, "I support this work. I've been out on the street. I've seen how it affects people, and and, and that is so valuable because he's um, he's the mayor, you know, he's the mayor." And I'm just a kid off an estate, so no one's going to listen to me, like just on my own. But with you know, he's part of the tribe. I'll tell you who wanted to listen to the kid off the estate, Vincent Company, <laughs> so, former um, Manchester City captain, who chose to dedicate his testimonial to a bed every night and to raise uh, money for Manchester's homeless community. You spent quite a bit of time with Vincent and his wife Carla, who came out on some of the street cuts. So he wanted to be educated by you 
and the work you've done. So, and do you think that made a difference as well, having somebody as high profile Absolutely. as him behind the work? Absolutely. You know, and, and, and all those people have got a, a profile and, and a position, you know, a high position in society. With that comes responsibility. You know, they're, they're able to make social impact, real social impact, and they're able to create sustainable change, people in those positions. So Vincent did an amazing job. Uh, and and he's set the bar now for others, and uh, and I believe you know there are others starting to follow in his steps now. So it's great because all those people have got responsibility. You know, look, the world's changing, the world's changing. It's not about what you can get. It's always been about what you can get, but life is about what you can give. Your vision for Schoolface Foundation, the community barbershop, can you tell us a bit about that in terms of numbers and you want to, to take that further than Manchester, don't you, around the UK? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I believe next year we're going to have a shop in London. We're talking to different people about that at the minute. Uh, London has the highest homeless population in the UK. It's got 170,000 people sleeping rough in London. So we want to make an impact there. My personal goal is to support 150,000 people through our unique training. Um, for that, I need 10,000 shops. So I can I can train three people on each chair in each shop uh, per year. So that's my goal. And and I always achieve my goals, always. That may, that may take me 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter, but I will achieve that goal. Um, and I believe that we'll achieve that sooner than I think and, and, and exceed it, you know, and actually um, change society. You know, because if we've got shops up and down the country showing it can be done, we've done it. We've done it in, in Stretford now, and we've got five lives that have turned around. And I'm proud to say we've got every person that we started with. You know, I've been I've been training people in my business quietly before we opened this shop. So some of the guys have been with us for months, and we've got everyone. Everyone, nobody's dropped out. You know, it's it's a hundred percent success rate right now, um, and we've had the first guy completely qualify. So that's great. That's one. So. Amazing. Let's talk about tribes. I've adopted this word um, having worked with you and I'm just reading Seth Godin book, Tribes, because um, I've been hugely um, impressed by your ability to galvanise people, people around you. And I know that you, we talk, one of our principles at Roland Dransfield is leaders create leaders. Um, in the book, Seth says that humans are wired to unite and for, form tribes. Um, and you've always called your guys, your team, your tribe you say uh, real knows real. So is that, um, does, is that something you have to work on or does it come organically? What's the magic ingredient? I think um, the magic ingredient for any tribe is, is uh, a common goal, you know, something you care about, passion. You, you, your tribe has to be passionate about uh, a shared goal. So for me, my tribe was attracted, most of them. You know, people attracted by the work we were doing. I, I set the precedent, I you know, went out and doing street cuts and we made a video and it went viral and then people who felt something, people who were moved by that video started to come. You know, Jim Livingstone, amazing, amazing man. He watched that video and he turned up at the shop with 30, 30 rucksacks, um, all all packed, you know, with a sleeping bag and, and warm kit and this and that, and even down to like chocolate and stuff in them. So that just happened. And when I met Jim, when he walked through the door, we didn't even have to say anything to each other. He just said, you're Jim, he said, you're Jed because I'd already spoken to him online, and I give him a hug, and, and there's energy exchanged there. You feel it. And I felt this man 
cared as much as I did, you know, and I felt that he, he believed in what we were doing. So a tribe for me is a feeling, you know, you know, that's why I say real knows real. Yeah. If you care about that goal and somebody else does, you know it, you know it. If somebody's just, you know, oh yeah, well, I care about it. And they're not genuine. It's, you can see it. Mm. You can see it. I'm very privileged <laughs> to be in your WhatsApp group and that keeps me going. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, when I read some of the messages, amazing. Yeah, you're very much part of the tribe and, and, and such a, uh, a key member of the tribe. You know, you've opened so many doors for us and made so many things happen for us that just never would have been possible without you and your organisation. And, and it's, that's, you know, you are so valuable to the tribe. You are, you know, from the bottom of my heart, you really are. If you're loving We Built This City, please could you take the time to leave a five-star review on your podcast platform? Thank you. Manchester, Manchester born and bred. This of podcast is We Built This City. So what about this city are you so passionate about? I think Manchester's got a wonderful sense of community. You know, our symbol says it all, the work could be. You see it when, when, unfortunately, we see it most when tragedies happen. You know, during the Manchester attack, we... Um, gathered our tribe and, and, you know, took the resources we had, food and, and water and stuff, and, and we were handing that out to people who um, were looking for family members and, and you know, uh, members of the emergency services that, are, that didn't have a break. During that, we really saw what Manchester is, you know, because we are in the city and the whole city came together and, and the, the diversity we've got, you know, every all different um, races, religions, they all came together that day. And, and those things are designed to tear us all apart. Well, Manchester's answer was no, we're all going to get together. Every member of the community, we're all going to get together right in the heart of the city and celebrate, you know, us and what we are and coming together. We're all going to help each other. And that was really beautiful to see. And, and it's in line with our symbol, the work could be. You've got obviously lots of Manchester graffiti in the shop, I think, so I know it's important to you. Um, and you're also, you call your gorgeous daughter Annabelle B, don't you? That's your... Yeah, my little B. <laughs> <laughs> my little Manchester B, that's what she is, yeah. <laughs> and how does she inspire you to carry on when you're having those down days? Oh, well, I mean, they just make everything go away, don't they? You know, so when she walks over and says, Daddy, I want a duddle. <laughs> you know, she can't say cuddle yet, so she says duddle. Daddy, I want a duddle. Then that's a give her a cuddle. It, it, nothing else matters, does it? You know, when you're with your toddler, there's, there's nothing else on this earth, you know. So um, she's, you know, she's my why, really. Um, I mean, I've got an incredible amount of pull. So uh, when people do a job and the push, it's pushed. They've got a push to get themselves out of bed and push to get themselves to a place of work. If they're doing a job they're not really passionate about. But when you've got a passion for something and purpose, you're pulled. I'm pulled out of bed. I'm pulled onto the streets. You know, it's my purpose. It's a different feeling. So I've got that. I'm very lucky to have that. But she's really, you know, my why and why I have to keep myself strong and why I have to keep progressing in every area of life. You know, with my own emotions, with my own spirituality, with my own finances, I have to keep moving forward and progressing and getting to a better position and better position so I can be better for her. We talk about purpose a lot, and obviously, as you know, um, at Roland Dransfield, we changed the PR to purposeful relationships. Uh, we have 15 principles of how we live professionally and personally, and I just wondered which one of the ones that you we've shared with you um, spoke most loudly to you. I, I really love Leaders Create Leaders. Um, it's 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 very easy to become a leader and, and tell everyone what to do and you know you'll do what I say because I'm I'm above you I'm in charge 
And that really is a negative vehicle to, to fulfill the need of significance. We all need to feel significant. And when people behave like that, that's all they're doing. They might not be bad people, but if they're saying, you'll do what I say because I'm above you, it's a negative vehicle to fulfill the need of significance. So I think when you can lift people up and create a leader, it's a really positive vehicle to, create, to, to fulfill the need of significance because that makes me feel significant. When I've watched Dan, who is the manager of the Stretford shop, he was brought up in the care system and he, was, um, he went to jail after that, you know, at a young age, and, and he learned barbering in jail. Dan is a, a wonderful leader. You know, it'd be, it'd be easy for me to go into that Stretford shop and say, right, you do it this way and you do it that way because that's what I say because I'm above you all. But no, you know, that's um, BS. Mm. You know, the, the, the right way to do it is to create another leader. So I'm working closely with Dan on a one-on-one -on -one basis, you know, showing him how to lead. And he's making distinctions that I can't make. You know, you create a leader, they're more, they're more powerful than you are because they're, they're their version of it. And it's amazing to see that. It's amazing to see that. You're giving, you're giving him ownership of that shop and letting him make his own decisions. He's, he's made some amazing decisions. And, and, and you know, it makes me very proud to, to, to see him function like that. That's wonderful, because you actually can then learn from other people yourself as a leader, and I think you never stop uh, learning. And yep. being a, a learner, not a know, is important. Yep. I think, the, I think the, the height of wisdom is knowing that we know nothing. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so, how can Manchester help? I mean, how, where can we follow you, and where can we find out more about your work? On kind of, you've obviously got lots of social media platforms. So, what's the best place to find more information? I think I think all the information is on our website, schoolphasefoundation.co.uk. You can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us on LinkedIn and, and Facebook. And there's a lot of content on there. We post a lot of pictures and videos, uh, a lot of stories, and you can keep up with the guys' progress. You know, the guys going through the system. So. Um, people can help by sharing, sharing the work and supporting in that way. That costs nothing. You know, everybody can do that. And it all helps because you don't know who's going to see that post and then go, well, actually, I'm going to support. So support by sponsoring a chair as an individual, £20 a month, corporate package, 500 a month. Oh, give us a unit. <laughs> give us a unit and let us, let us change some more lives. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, last question. It's got to be asked. Who do you let um, cut your hair? So any of my guys. You know, any, any of my guys, I, I'm not going to take my hat off in a minute because my hair's an absolute disgrace. <laughs> I've been so busy, I've not had the time to get my hair cut. I don't look like a barbershop owner at all. <laughs> so I need my beard doing, I'm, I'm, and my hair doing. But um, I, once my guys get to a certain level, when I know they're not going to completely scalp me, I, I let them, you know, practice on my hair. It's always a good test because it's a bit more nerve-wracking cutting the boss's hair. Mm -hmm. So that's a good test, you know, see what they're really made of. And, um, you know, I've got, I've got, my favourites within the shop, my qualified barbers, which I won't name because <laughs> will cause an argument. But but any of my guys, you know, any of my guys, I always, I won't go anywhere else for an haircut. It's got to be school face. Absolutely. The same for my son because he's now got the best cut hair in sale and I've met you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jed, thanks so much for coming in to speak to me. My pleasure. So Jed King... Bob with a mission, so inspirational, I'm very proud to call him a friend of mine. He believes that wealth is about what you give, not what you get. And that's something that I think we're all probably thinking of right now. Uh, in the next episode, we have athlete and Mancunian Diane Medal, who talks about the time Manchester was there for her in very difficult times. Manchester for me is, is my backbone. So when I talk about resolve and resilience, I go to a place that has always propped me up 
you know, Longsight, Mossside, Hume, Old Trafford, they are my solid ground where I feel most comfortable. This is a podcast from Roland Dransville PR. Our mission is to build purposeful relationships in all we do. If you do want to talk to us, give us a call on the same number we've had for 23 years, 0161 236 1122.